Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In Parshas Shaftim, towards the end, we find a mitzvah, which it's hard to understand exactly what is its connection to the rest of the Parsha, and I'm not going to deal with that question, but here is the, here is the Pasuk. Lo sasig gvul reacha, you should not encroach upon the boundary of your friend. Asher govlu rishonim, the boundary that the Rishonim, that the first ones, that the earlier ones uh, established, in your inheritance that you will inherit, in the land that Hashem your God will give to you to inherit. So don't encroach upon someone else's boundary in the land of Israel. Let's see how Rashi explains this. And then, of course, we will, as usual, discuss both some technical and some content issues in the Rashi. So first Rashi here is going to, first of all, explain the, the simple meaning of the words. And he's also going to define for us exactly what this mitzvah is telling us that we are not allowed to do. So first Rashi says, this word, is like the word that we find in Yeshaya, Nasaygu Achor. They were turned back. They backslid. So Rashi explains, A person pushes back the sign of the division of land, He goes to the edge of his field where there is some sort of a marker showing where his field ends and the next person's field begins, and he pushes it back. He pushes the marker back into the field of his friend, in order to broaden his own. If I take the fence between my, my land and your land, and I push it back into your land, what's really happening is I am now gaining some land. So that's what it means. That's what this Pasuk is telling us that we are not allowed to do. Now, Rashi raises a question. Didn't it already say back in Parshas Kedoshim and Sefer Vayikra, didn't it already say in the Torah, do not steal, do not rob? So, what is the meaning of this Pasuk? Why is this necessary? The Torah already told us, don't steal. So this is the way that you steal land. So why, why does the Torah repeat it? So answers Rashi, this Pasuk here is teaching us that a person who is okay, that he uproots the boundary line of his friend and pushes it back so that he himself will have more, that this person who does this has transgressed two laws, two negative commandments of the Torah. Not only has he done loisigzol, not only has he committed theft, but he has done another uh, another prohibition 
he has transgressed According to Rashi, essentially, he's done the same thing, but the Torah is going to punish him twice. Now Rashi raises a question. Perhaps this would apply even out of the land of Israel. Perhaps if here in uh, Brooklyn, where I am, if I push the boundary of my land back into my neighbor's land so that my property becomes a little bit bigger, perhaps here also I have transgressed this Pusik that says, Lesasig rule. Talmud Leimar says, Rashi, no, the Pusik says, the Pusik, the whole end of the Pusik says, don't do this in the inheritance that you inherited in the land that Hashem, your God, is giving you to inherit. So we see that this does not apply in Chutz Laaretz. So Rashi says, if you do this, if you push back the boundary in Eretz Israel, you have transgressed two prohibitions. But if you do it outside of Israel, so then you have only uh, violated that's just theft. I mean, just, that's also a serious crime, but it's only one crime if you do it in Chutz Laaretz. If you do it in Eretz Israel, it's two. Now, a technical question. Rashi here asks what I call a kushya mifureshes. He asks a question explicitly. It's now in green. He asks explicitly, doesn't it already say, doesn't it already say, you shall not steal? So, why does the Torah have to say, now the general rule is, which I've mentioned many times, is that Rashi usually does not ask explicit questions, meaning normally Rashi tells us what the Pasuk means. The reason he is telling us is because one might have had a question, one might have thought otherwise. Rashi is uh, resolving certain problems in the text by explaining to us in the way that he does, but he usually doesn't tell us what the question was. He, is, he expects it from us, that we should read the question, that we should read the Pusik carefully, and we should be sensitive. We should notice what some of the questions are that need to be answered. And when Rashi tells us how to explain the Pusik, we should understand that he's telling us because he's coming to answer those questions. But he usually does not ask an explicit question. Here, Rashi asks very explicitly, well, like Farnemar, Sigzel, doesn't it already say? So we need some understanding, some explanation why Rashi asks this question explicitly. And another question I'd like to raise on the Pasuk is this part of the Rashi. Rashi asks that perhaps this prohibition of Leisasik rule should apply even in Chutz Laaretz. And so he answers by quoting the end of the Pasuk. In the inheritance that you will inherit in the land that Hashem will give you. So you see clearly that it only applies in Eretz Yisrael. My question is, what was Rashi's question altogether? What do you mean, Yochel af I might have thought that this prohibition applies in Chutz If you go back and you read the Pasuk for yourself, I don't think there's any possibility that this prohibition should apply outside of Eretz Yisrael. The Pasuk is very clear 
that this only applies in the inheritance that you will inherit in the land that Hashem your God is giving you. That's obviously referring to Eretz Yisrael. Obviously, it seems as clear as day that this prohibition of does not apply in Chutz Laaretz. So why is Rashi raising the question? Perhaps it would apply in Chutz Laaretz. And he answers by quoting the rest of the Pasuk. This seems to be a, a waste of ink. We, we, we would know this anyway without Rashi. In order to answer these two questions, I think we first need to take a look at other possibilities, how some of the other great Mephoshim understood this Pasuk. And we will see that they did not explain it the way Rashi did. If we take a look at Ranban, and you'll also find a similar comment in, uh, made by Ibn Ezra, we will see as follows. Let's read a little bit of Ranban here. You shall not encroach upon the boundary of your friend. Azhara, this is a warning. This is a warning that a person should not change the boundaries of the division of the land that the Nasiyam, that the princes of each tribe made for the Shvatim, or you shouldn't even change the boundaries between one individual and another. You shouldn't change the boundaries between Shevet Ruben and Shevet, uh, and Shevet Yehuda, or whichever Shvatim were adjacent to, to Ruben. And you shouldn't change the boundaries that are between individuals, the boundaries that were established by the Nesiyah when they first came into Eretz Yisrael. Al-Kain Amar, and therefore the Pasuk says, Asher Govlu Rishonim. We are talking here about the boundaries that the Rishonim, that the great men of, of old made. Haim Elazar HaKoyen, this is referring to Elazar HaKoyen, Yeshua ben Nun, Unesiyei Hamatais. The Torah tells us in Parshas Pinchas how the land should be divided between the Shvatim and how the land should further be divided between various families. It should be done by a Lazar Hakoyan who would, was wearing the Urim Betomim at the time, and it should be uh, directed by Yeshua ben Nun. And it is also uh, directed and performed by the Nesiyah Hamatais, by the Nesiyim of the various tribes. So this Pasuk is telling us don't mess with that ancient distribution of the land. Well, the Chach is here, and that's why the Pasuk mentions that this is talking about in the inheritance that you will inherit. Obviously, in Chutz Laaretz, we were not uh, uh, appointed ancestral lands, uh, so it uh, doesn't apply. That this is, this is only talking in the land that Hashem gave to us as an inheritance. And the Ramban now explains the, the reason, the Tam of this mitzvah. The Tam HaMitzvah Zeis, the reason of this mitzvah is, Shalo Adam a person should not think, Ein he, he should not think and say that the portion that Yeshua and Elazar and the, the Siyam gave to me is not equal in value to the portion that was given to my friend. Because those who did the distribution, they made a mistake. Or he will badmouth the goyrol. The, the haluka was made by a goyrol, it was made by a lottery. Uh, the, the Rashi explains in, 
based on the Gemara and the Midrash, this was some sort of a supernatural lottery. The, the lottery ticket itself spoke and um, it worked in a very fantastic supernatural way. A person should not be mighty laws. A person should not uh, disparage that that goyrul and the accuracy of that whole system. Although if he disparages it, so then he will think that pushing back the border so that now uh, Shevet Reuven has a little more land than, uh, than Shevet uh, Shimon, he'll think that's not stealing at all because really the Yeshua and Elazar and the Ur of Atumim and the Goyrul, they don't know what they're talking about. I know where the real boundary should be. al came therefore, Siva Bekan, the Torah commands here, a person should not disagree with that original distribution of the land. And a person should not change the borders at all. Not privately and not publicly. So there is a disagreement here. We'll see the rest of the Ramban in a moment. But there is a disagreement here between Rashi and Ramban. Rashi is saying, that this Pasuk is primarily forbidding us to change boundaries in Eretz Israel, even those boundaries that were not established by Yeshua and the Nisim. In Eretz Israel, it was permitted to buy and sell land, although the land went back to the original owner in Yovel, but for the duration in between one Yovel and the other, a person might be sitting on a field that is not his ancestral field. He did not inherit it from his father who inherited it from his father going all the way back to Yeshua ben Nun and Elazar and the Urim Vitumim and the Nisim. A person could be sitting on a field that he bought five years ago. And the Torah is talking about that kind of field or even about that kind of field. It's not specific to, to, um, to the ancestral division that was made by Yeshua and Elazar and the Urim Vitumim and the Nisim. According to Rashi, we're talking about any boundary between any two fields in Eretz Israel, even boundaries that were established by buying and selling and by the, the surveyor who, who uh, counted off how many square feet I'm selling to you and how many square feet you're buying from me. That is also to change. According to Ranban, that is not what this Pasuk is talking about. That might be also for a different reason. But what this Pasuk is saying is that Elazar and Yeshua and the Urnavatumim and the Nesim and the Goyrol, they made a division of the land between the Shvatim and between the various families. And they did it in a very special, divinely assisted fashion. You may not change those borders. That's what you're not allowed to do. And the Ramban continues. There's This is what he calls a Mitzvah All over Sefer Dvarim, Ramban uses this phrase. What he means is that many times, the Ranban says, that Sefer Dvarim will tell us a mitzvah, which is a further explanation of another mitzvah that's already been given in one of the first four chumashim. Because uh, Sefer Dvarim is the Mishnah Torah, it is the repetition of the Torah. So the Ranban understood that many mitzvahs in Dvarim are additions to, they are clarifications of previously given mitzvahs. So that he calls a mitzvah mivueris. This is a mitzvah mivueris mimashat siva, 
This is a clarifying mitzvah upon that which was already commanded. It is building upon what was already stated in Parshas Pinchas, that according to the Goral, the nachlois, the inheritances, should be divided, whether they are great or small. The Omar, and it also says there, that's not in Pinchas, that's in a later Pasuk, but it says these are the names of the people that will inherit for you the land, meaning these are the Nesim who will perform the division of the land, they will make that division. Since the Torah told us in, in Sefer Bamidbar that this is how the land should be divided, that's what it says in Bamidbar. And now the Torah is Miva'eris. Now that according to Ranban, the Torah is clarifying and expanding upon that. And it's saying, don't you dare disagree with that, with that division of the land. That was done according to the the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he said that's how it should be done. And not only did he say that's how it should be done, but there was divine assistance, divine inspiration involved. It was really a uh, something supernatural, the way the different portions were, were divided up. So you may not show your disagreement with that by trying to change the boundaries. That is the prohibition of Loisasi Gvul. Now, Going back to Rashi, uh, go, let's continue in the Rabban for a moment first. According to Ranban, I don't think there should really be any question of uh, We know that Rashi raises the question, why does the Torah say here, it already said don't steal. According to Ranban, it's not much of a question. The Torah said, don't steal. It means I shouldn't go over and grab your wallet. I shouldn't go over and grab your, your, your diamond ring, which, which clearly does not belong to me. That's not what we're talking about over here. We're not talking about grabbing away something that clearly belongs to you. That's not the, this is clearly something else. This is clearly, it may include that, but it's clearly something else. What this Pasuk is saying, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu dictated how the land of, of Yisrael should be divided up. And it was a divinely assisted process. And you may not disagree with it. You may not change it. That's what this Pasuk is saying. It's not Akashia. The question does not arise. Yes, but the Torah already said, already said it's two different things. Now, when we go to Rashi, I am sure that Rashi was aware of this possibility. Although Rashi did not see the commentary of the Ramban, nor did he see the commentary of Ibn Ezra, they both lived after him. But I am sure that it crossed Rashi's mind to learn, to understand the Pasuk some, in some fashion similar to the Ramban. The truth is it reads very nicely what the Ramban says about this Pasuk. Do not encroach upon the boundary, Asher Govlu Rishanim, that those early first people, Yeshua and the Nesim, the, the boundaries that they established. I'm sure Rashi was aware of this possibility. However, Rashi begins his commentary by stating, by making a, a contention and a statement 
that that's not what this pasuk is talking about. Rashi begins by saying, He pushes back the sign of the division of the land. He pushes it backwards into the field of his friend, in order to make wider and greater his own portion. It has nothing to do with the fact that these are the ancient boundaries that were established by these great men using Ruach HaKodesh. No. Not allowed to push the boundary marker back into your field in order that my field should become bigger. And it could be that that's why Rashi now quotes an explicit question. This question and the answer are in the Midrash Sifri, or Sifrei, which is the primary halachic Midrash on Sefer Dvarim and also on Sefer Bamidbar. Rashi here is quoting an explicit question because he wants to strengthen the contention, the chiddush that he made in the beginning of his words. Rashi is saying here, and don't tell me that this is talking about a special kind of uh, pushing back of the boundary, that it's only talking here about pushing back the boundaries that were established by Yeshua with Ruach HaKadosh. No, I'll prove to you that that's not so. You know why? Because Chazal in the Sifri ask a question. They ask a question, shouldn't this already be us or because the Torah said Le'sigzal? From the question, we see that Rashi's explanation is correct. Because according to Ranban's question, as I explained, there, there should be no question of a Le'sigzal. It's obvious what this Pusik is adding on to Le'sigzal. This is not about Le'sigzal. This is not about just stealing money, stealing monetary value. This Pasuk is, according to Ranvan, is about disagreeing with, with Navua. It's almost, uh, it's almost like, a, like this Parsha talks about a person who refuses to obey the words of a Navi. That's almost what this Pasuk is saying, according to Ranvan. That's very different from Lysigzal. But Rashi says, look in the Midrash. The Midrash asks a question on this Pasuk. The Midrash asks a question, isn't this Gezel? Isn't this just stealing? And the Midrash answers, well, yes, it's, it's just stealing, but the Torah wanted to forbid this two times. From the question and the answer, we see that Rashi's approach is correct. I mean, this is what Rashi is saying to you. I'm not deciding who is correct or not, but Rashi is saying to us, my approach is correct because you see it from the Midrash. You see it from the question that the Sifri raises, that we are talking here about simple theft of property. And that's why the Sifri asks, and we can understand such a thing, this I've said many times, that when Rashi is asking a question on himself, or he is bringing in a question and an answer in order to be mechazik, in order to strengthen some contention that he has already made, he will write it out explicitly. Rashi does not, ex Rashi expects us to read the Pusik itself very carefully and to know what the issues are and to know what the questions are. He does not expect us to know what the questions are going to be on himself. On what he writes, he will take it upon his own shoulders to clearly explain all of the, and, and, and resolve all of the problems that are created by what Rashi himself says. And with this, we can also understand why Rashi raises the question, 
Now, according to Ramban, this question is completely out of place. This question is completely meaningless. Perhaps this should apply in Chutzlaritz. What do you mean perhaps this should apply in Chutzlaritz? This Pasuk, according to Ramban, is saying, don't mess with the original division of land in Eretz Yisrael that was made in such a, a divinely assisted fashion by Yeshua and the, and the, and the, and the Nesim and Elazar who was wearing the Urim Betumim and so on. Perhaps this should apply in Chutzlaritz. This should apply to my house in, in Brooklyn. And it should apply to the borders between my house and the neighbor and back. I once had a dispute with my neighbor about where the line was. Uh, it went to the civil courts. I wasn't happy with the decision, but it had to do with the maps that were made by a surveyor and surveyor and the laws of New York State. And <laughs> that's nothing to do with, with Ruach HaKadosh and Yeshua and Elazar and the Urim Vitumim and the Nesim. It's obvious that even if I would have taken over a few square feet of land from my neighbor. I would not have been transgressing the Ramban's version of Leisasek rule. But Rashi, according to Rashi's explanation, that is a legitimate question. If all this Pusik is saying is don't steal somebody else's real estate, don't push your border back so that, push the, push the border back so that you end up with more land. And the only reason the Torah is saying this is to is it's to tell you that you get two of errors for doing this. One, don't steal, and another new one called Leisasigvul. So it's a reasonable question. Maybe this should apply even in outside of Israel. I'm doing the same thing. What is it that it's forbidden to do in Eretz Israel, according to Rashi? If, if Reuven bought a field from Shimon, just two fellows named Reuven and Shimon, not the Shvatim of Reuven and Shimon. If Reuven bought a field from Shimon and the surveyor, surveyor measured it out and he said he put a, put a boundary line here and now Shimon wants to push it back so he gets a bigger piece. Okay, he's not disagreeing with prophecy with Ruach HaKadosh. He's disagreeing with the, with the surveyor. Maybe he's not allowed to do that in Chutzlaris either. Talmud Leimar, okay, so Rashi says, Rashi raises the question, and he says, no. And you look at the Pasuk, it says, This second Avera of Leisasin rule only applies in Chutzlaris. By the way, if we look a support to, to Rashi's approach, if we look in the Sifrei, the Sifrei starts by saying everything that Rashi says. I'm not going to repeat it. And then it says, And how do we know that if somebody uproots the boundaries that were established, the, the, the boundaries of the Shvatim, he pushes the boundary between the Shevet Yehuda and the Shevet uh, Shimon, which was established by Yeshua and the, the Nesim and the Urnavetumim, and so on. How do we know that that person has transgressed a prohibition in the Torah? Look at the answer. The Sifrei quotes a Pasuk in Mishlei. Do not uh, encroach upon the eternal, upon the very old boundary, upon that eternal ancient boundary. In other words, the Sifrei, which explained the whole Pasuk like Rashi, or 
really vice versa. But the Sifrei, which is the, the, uh, the source of Rashi's comment, is, talk, is saying that our Pasuk is talking about moving civil boundaries that were established by, by uh, purchase and, and, and sale and established by the surveyor and so on. This is a matter of um, civil law. How does the Sifrei know? The Sifrei says, yes, it's true that if you, if you mess with the ancestral boundaries that were established by Yeshua and so on, yes, that's also an Avera. You know where it, where it talks about that Avera? It talks about it in Sefer Mishlam, not in this Pasuk. This Pasuk is not talking about that in simplicity. Okay, now to a little bit of content. It comes out, if we look carefully here, you don't even have to look that carefully. There is a disagreement between, there would come out, there's a disagreement here between Rashi and Ramban about the Tam of this mitzvah, about the reason for this mitzvah of Leisasig Gvul. According to Rashi, this is essentially a type of theft. This is pure Dine Mominus. The Torah tells you don't steal things, the Torah tells you don't uh, damage other people's property. The Torah tells us don't uh, don't hold on to an evidivri longer than you're allowed to. It's it's dine mominus. Torah tells us if you, if you borrow money, you have to pay it back within a certain amount of time. These are monetary. This is a monetary civil law. That's according to Rashi. If you look in the Sefer Achinuch, who took a, took it upon himself to write a tom for each one of the 613 mitzvahs, he says, he says over there that the tom of this mitzvah of sasig is similar to what the Torah says about leisig naiv and leisig zol. It's essentially just a, another paragraph, another, uh, another sentence in the laws of stealing, in the laws of not stealing. And he says, the law, the law that tells you, the mitzvah that tells you don't steal, that's very easy to understand. Everybody knows why the Torah told us not to steal because you're not allowed to take what, what belongs to someone else and it would be very injurious and disruptive of, of society if people were constantly stealing. So according to Rashi, this is just a, a detail in the laws of stealing. According to Ranban, no, according to Ranban, what's the reason of this mitzvah? The Ranban really himself says, the Tam HaMitzvah is that you shouldn't think that that distribution of the land that was made by Yeshua and the Nesim and the, uh, and, and the Urim Vitumim and the Goyrol, you shouldn't think that it was just uh, monkey business. You shouldn't think that it was incorrect. That was done by great people. It was done with divine assistance. As I said before, to disagree with that is almost like disagreeing with prophecy. That's what this, that's the reason for this mitzvah. The reason you're not allowed to push back the boundary between one shavit and another is because you're, you're like somebody who disobeys a prophet. That's not din mominus. This is a, a, shall we say, a religious infraction, not a civil infraction. And based on this, I think we can, at least theoretically, we can come up with a, we can come out with a halachic difference between the two opinions here. 
the Sefer Minchas Chinuch. Sefer Minchas Chinuch was written in the 1800s. It is um, written in the form of a commentary on the Sefer Achinuch. The Sefer Achinuch uh, presents to us each one of the 613 mitzvahs, gives us a brief description, mentions a few of the halachas, and gives us the Tam HaMitzvah. The Sefer Achinuch, so the Sefer Minchas Chinuch, which was written uh, several hundred years later, um, commented and expanded particularly in the matter of halacha, went into all kinds of halachic details of each mitzvah, both halachic details that are relatively easy to find by opening up the Gemara and the Rambam, and many halachic details that are not so easy to find. And he displayed his, his genius and his brilliance in both raising and solving many, many of these halachic issues. The Sefer Minchas Hinuch here in this mitzvah of Leisasi Gvul, he raises the following issue. There is a general rule in Dine Mamoinais, in monetary matters, that Pachis Mishava Pruta, that an item that is worth less than one Pruta, less than the smallest coin, is insignificant. For example, if a person steals less than a Shava Pruta, let's say just for argument's sake that a pruta today would be worth about 30 cents. I think it's somewhere in that range. I didn't, uh, I didn't check it. But let's say a pruta today would be worth about 30 American cents. So if somebody steals less than 30 cents, he has not fully transgressed the prohibition of loisig zol. And there are other ramifications. For example, a base din does not listen to cases which involve less than a shava pruta. A shava pruta, yes. If, if the argument, if people are, are really are so petty that they're really coming to court with an argument about 30 cents or 35 cents, yes, based in must listen and must listen carefully and seriously and come to a proper conclusion. But less than that, less than a pruta, they don't need to bother. The Midrash Chinuch raises the question, what about Leisasi Gvul? He says, Loisa Sigvul is a Xeris Akosum. It is a decree of the Torah that only applies in Eretz Yisrael, as the Pasuk itself says. And as Rashi, Rashi brings that out, really all you have to do is look at the Pasuk. It says, This mitzvah applies in the land that Hashem is giving to you. Perhaps the law of Pachas Mishava Pruta should not apply to this mitzvah of Leisasi Gvul. Perhaps if a person pushed back the boundary in order to make his own field a little bit bigger, but he pushed it back only a very minuscule distance so that the amount of land that he is now making part of his own is worth less than a Pruta. So the Midchas Chinuch raises the question, Maybe he has done the Avera of Leisasi Gvul. The Avera of Gezel, he has not really done because Gezel does not apply to less than a Shava Pruta. But that's Dine Mominus. But this is some sort of special decree of the Torah, which only applies in Eretz Yisrael. It has something to do with tampering with the boundaries in Eretz Yisrael. So perhaps it should apply even on less than a Pruta. He leaves this question with a tzarechi. And he says it needs investigation. He says he didn't see in the Rambam and other, other poskim that they make this 
distinction, but needs investigation. Perhaps we can say, based on what we've spoken about so far, that this would be a machlaikas between Rashi and Ranban. I say that perhaps in, in very large capital screaming, screaming caps, I think they call them. It is only a perhaps, a theoretical perhaps, but perhaps this could be a machlaikas between Rashi and Ranban. According to Rashi, the tam of this mitzvah, the, the, the idea of this mitzvah is don't steal. It's also to steal anything, anywhere. But the Torah said, if you're stealing land in Eretz Yisrael, that's somehow worse. You get an extra avera because you stole land in Eretz Yisrael. Now, if it is essentially just a detail in the laws of Gezel, I would say that it does not apply unless the Neshava Pruta. But according to Ramban, that the foundation of this mitzvah is, don't disagree with that prophecy or semi-prophecy that was used to originally divide the land of Israel. If you push back the boundary between Shevet Reuben and Shevet Shemai, you are, you are tampering with prophecy. Could be that is not judged, that is not measured by in terms of Shavapruta. If you, um, if you disagree with a Navi, if a Navi tells you to do something and you don't do it, do we, do we look to see how much it would have cost you to, to, to observe the Navi's words? And if it would have costed less than a Pruta, it's not an Avera? No. The Avera is not the, according to Ramban, the Avera here is not the monetary stealing. The Avera is your lack of trust in this, in this semi-prophetic process of dividing up the land. Maybe I shouldn't even say semi-prophetic. Maybe it's, it's truly prophetic. It is certainly semi-prophetic. It's certainly with Ruach HaKadosh. According to Ramban, that's the Avera over here. So perhaps it could be that according to Ramban, one would transgress this mitzvah, even if the total amount of land that he ended up taking from his friend was less than a value of a Prutah.